0: Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast, powered by Exabel. I'm Mark Fleming Williams. In this episode, I speak to Florin Tufan of Solidify, a provider of alternative data around private companies. In our conversation, Florin and I explore the use cases, clientele, and functionality of how Solidify works, along with the burgeoning tech scene growing up in Bucharest. In this episode, I'm joined by Florin Tufan of Solidify. Thanks very much for joining today, Florin. Thanks for inviting me, Mark. Exciting. You're, you're most welcome. Um, Florin, I say Solidify. It's, it's, um, it's spelt not quite like that. It's spelt Soliadify, S-O-L-E-A-D-I-F-Y. Where does the name come from?
1: The name comes from uh, our initial start in doing this project. Started as a part-time project, just something to do in the weekends that it was data-related, and our target audience uh, in that initial phase was uh, sales teams. So we thought it would be uh, smart to like put the word "lead" into the name.
0: Okay. Oh, right. Yeah, lead. So leadify. I've got it. Not leadify. <laughs> so leadify. Got it. <laughs> um okay excellent and so you are you're based in Bucharest which is um exciting for me because I well for two reasons first of all because I've never had a guest from Bucharest before um in Romania and secondly because as a as a kind of London-based podcast I'm always keen to be you know uh, waving the flag for Europe and drawing attention to to European you know companies and and, and offerings so I'm um, so delighted to have you have you from there um is there would you say what's the what's the scene like in Bucharest at the moment in in the kind of in the data space? What's the are you are you do you feel alone? Do you feel that like there's a there's a budding community? What's going on over there?
1: Well the, the startup scene in Bucharest has exploded in the past few years. Uh, we we have uh, a success example which is so important in, in emerging markets, uh, with with UiPaths uh, listing on on Nasdaq last year. Um, and to see such a company at, at the point it was the highest growth company in history, uh, to see it going from just an idea to an IPO in six years, uh, it's incredibly encouraging for, for the rest of us. It sh- kind of shows that it's possible. Um, so following that success, we see a complete explosion in the startup scene uh, where we have the highest uh, growth rate in, in in investment amounts and the number of startups in in Europe, as far as I know, um, it's still, if you look at it from uh, from just the sheer uh, dollar amounts, it's not as impressive as a lot of the other Central European countries. Um, but if you look at the, the rate at which this is growing, uh, it definitely shows a lot of potential.
0: Is there is there a is there a kind of technology um, district in in Bucharest? Are you all gathered around the same blocks, or or is it spread out and is not cent- centralized in that way?
1: There is, yeah. It's like a the, the tech neighborhood that looks yeah. completely different from the rest of the city. Nice.
0: Is it all kind of exposed brickwork and coffee shops and things like that?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lot of specialty coffee. Yes, exactly.
0: Lovely. Um, okay, brilliant. So let us let's talk about um Solidify, Florin. What um what 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 would you what how would you encapsulate what Solidify does?
1: Um in one sentence we're a provider of truthful information on private companies. That's pretty pretty simple. Um so and um so
0: uh, now now in more than one sentence. What do you what do you what do you do? What does the company do?
1: Are you ready for the six hour version?
0: <laughs> well, maybe if there was a five minute version
1: <laughs> okay, let's go for the five minute version. Um, we uh, do something that that I think where wears the stigma for for a number of years. Uh, we do a lot of web crawling to avoid the stigma. we like to say that we have uh, we we have a a Google approach to extracting data, meaning that we scrape the entire internet uh, around seven hundred billion. Uh, web pages a month and what we look for is any any place uh, where companies have shared information about themselves in unstructured form um, the goal being to replicate the human process of research uh, so what, what people find when googling companies and looking at sources looking at recent articles looking at uh, different mentions in like local associations uh, uh, chambers of commerce and and other places where the company um, is mentioned, um, and to grab that and to build like a complete full view of the company that is timely updated on a weekly basis. And we do that globally in uh, 200 countries on 70 million uh, private company profiles. Wow. So
0: um, you are, and so basically you are identifying the names of uh, Attempting to ad- identify the names of all the private companies in the world, which are kind of constantly f- coming into and flitting out of existence. But um, and you're trying to come up with those names and then you're trying to codify every single mention of that company, be it by the company itself, perhaps on its own website or potentially on, as you say, chambers of commerce and and, and other Um, independent sites or or customer sites or or anything, every time anything is mentioned about that company and you're putting it all in one place so you're making it searchable that if somebody wants to know about that company, it's all there in a kind of unstructured form.
1: Is that right? Perfect summary. Um, The goal is to capture all operational companies. So stay away from the empty shells and the empty legal entities, but every company that is operational and you can buy something from them and you can sell something to them. Uh, we want to cop- capture that and create in-depth profiles of uh, structured information.
0: Mm. So how are you going from unstructured to structured?
1: We use a lot of AI. So any any name, um, name of technology that's uh, text-related, NLP, you can think of, we use it at a huge scale.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Um, yeah, so the, we, you go from something like a, a press article and then you break it down using... Uh, a number of AI technologies. You break it. In, you break the article down into different components. You get to the paragraph at the ending where it describes the company. Take that description, process it with some more AI, and the result is uh, like a a, num- uh, a fixed business category that is extracted from there. Then a, a description, uh, a number of business activity tags, uh, and that gets mashed with other tens of descriptions we found uh, on the company online.
0: And do you weight the different um, the different sources? are you Are you saying this came from a Chamber of Commerce, so it's it's better than perhaps what your what the competition might be saying about the company or something like that?
1: That's exactly right. So one of the biggest challenges with private markets um, is that everything changes all the time, um, and especially when you have the uh, context such as Covid, where uh, about fifteen percent of small businesses they they pivoted to a different business activity. Um, the main advantage our data has uh, on something like the government registry is that we can know if a change happened in a company a month ago. And we by having access to several sources, uh, you can look at it at a global level and say which sources have been have proved uh, more accurate over time. So when I look at the company activity, should I trust a, a, a press release they made yesterday? Or should I trust their uh, about page on the website that describes something different? Um, and that's what what ends up being is a it's a unique advantage of kind of knowing exactly what happened and when and um, being able to update that really quickly. And and you've built
0: rules into the system so that it's happening automatically, or have you got a whole a whole bunch of humans who are making these judgments?
1: <laughs> um, the the One of the challenging things about being a startup is that you, you where, where you don't have the luxury of using a lot of people, you have to build technology. And if you stick with it a long time, uh, it ends up being quite impressive. So mm-hmm. it's, the answer usually is with, we've put AI in place. In, in some cases, we use just uh, regression models and statistics. Uh, but in most of the, those uh, tasks, we're using a lot of AI.
0: Okay, so somebody comes to you and they want to know about a specific private company, which is unlisted and it's based in Germany. Um, What 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 can they get from you? What's the process that um, they come to you and they say, what have you got on this company? What, What do they get back from you?
1: The, the process on the client side looks like uh, magic, so it's an API call. Uh, at the a- end of the API call, what they get is a, it's a full profile with um, like the main location of the company. Um, and depending on the industry, they get things like uh, secondary locations, like warehouses or retail locations, um, which then can, can be analyzed in a number of ways. They also get a very complete answer to, to the question like what does this company do? Uh, which is in multiple forms uh and I'll I'll get back to it in in, in a moment of as to why that's useful uh, mm-hmm. it it has the form of like a simple answer like like tr- a traditional SIC code let's say uh where it, you can put them in a bucket but it also has a lot more sophisticated answer like uh different tags and labels and full text descriptions and a list of descriptions of the services or the products um and they they also uh get things that can can help with like a quick glance research on the company, like social media profiles, their descriptions on different social media platforms, addresses of the website, um, an ESG category, and uh, basically a full in-depth profile, uh, recent news.
0: Okay, Um, okay, brilliant. So, um, who might want this? What's the, um, and and, uh, so, I, so this is the Alternative Data Podcast, so we're kind of, uh, we're, we're more interested potentially in the kind of investment uses, but why don't you start with your kind of, your primary clients and your primary uses, and we can kind of go on from there.
1: Sure, I, I think if we look, um, if we look at the data market uh, now in in sort of the post-Snowflake, uh, the post-Databricks world, uh, where we're, big data, it's its a huge thing, even accessible to smaller companies. Um, we, we sort of see uh, the data players uh, split into three buckets, the data providers, the aggregators, and the inside generators. Uh, inside generators would be something like MSCI that mm-hmm. compiles a lot of data and gives you like a, a strict answer to a specific question. Um, and for us, that we're, we're a data provider, um, for us, the advantage is that we work with a number of industries and in a number of use cases, and we don't need to really, really focus on a very specific answer. Um, so it, we work with uh, with banks, with insurance providers, with reinsurance providers. We work with consultancies. We work with private equity funds and hedge funds. Um, and typically, uh, we're, we're connected either to a business analysis or to a data science department.
0: Okay. Would you have a if you kind of break it down percentage-wise, have you got a kind of bread and butter client, or is it really a diverse universe of of clients and you never know who's going to come through the door next?
1: They're they're both true. You you never know who's gonna come through the door next, but most of our revenue is made from financial services providers.
0: Okay. Um, okay. And so if uh so you mentioned a few potential types of financial services providers, but let's say um uh, basically, it's anyone who's got an interest in private companies. What what would be uh, what what do you find um, clients are most interested in from from in your data in in terms of private private company data?
1: Yeah, the clear pattern is around risk management. So you look at your you're a bank or an insurer um, working with smaller businesses or mid market, and in different departments, you have to look at that client base at different levels. Uh, with a, a relationship manager in a bank would look at each individual account and try to leverage the data they have to make better sales or identify the fact that that is it the right type of client or not? Uh, is it part of our, our bank strategy to work with this type of company or not? Whereas at, in a different department and at a higher level level, uh, you, you look at the entire portfolio of clients and, and try to understand the risk and the exposure as market changes. Um, and you look at, at the aggregate level where, where you look at 10,000 clients at the same time. It's important to structure your data and to look at things like uh, when, when uh, for example, you, you make a strategic decision to not work with specific industries, uh, you have to look at what's my exposure in that area, for example. Um and it's the same it's the same in insurance where where uh, you try to uh, from the risk perspective you try to bucket your clients in in uh, as as accurate and as granular as possible and look at the overall strategy in relationship with with that client base
0: so a bank or insurance company uh, if it wanted to um give a loan or insure a private individual then that private individual uh would need to provide some kind of proof as to as to you know how how they go about in their in their life and they'd need to fill in forms they'd probably have to have some kind of independent backing to show that they're that they're good for the loan or good for good for the insurance um and almost equally or kind of a rung up from that a banker insurance company who wants to who who's considering loaning or or insuring a company may it's 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 a, it's almost a similar challenge in some cases because a small company just doesn't have that much about it doesn't have necessarily that much independent corroboration does not that have that much proof of kind of you know what it's done and its existence and so they may come to you for everything that is available online essentially about a small private company, which hasn't, isn't big enough to be listed so that they can get a kind of, you're almost like a private investigator <laughs> for, for that kind of service. Cause you're, cause you're, um, you're giving all the information that is available on these, on these companies. Is that fair?
1: That's, that's fair. And and what the traditional solution to, to this kind of problem was to just lay uh, a 300 question, uh, questionnaire to, to your new client and to ask a lot of questions just because you, you don't have the, the you d- didn't use to have the data available. Uh, so you'd have to sort of protect in any sort of possible, possibly imaginable case. Um, mm-hmm. And so you'd ask tech companies if they cook food at the location at which they operate or uh, you'd ask a lot of redundant questions or uh, irrelevant, um, basically making the, the client go through this horribly long process but that it's the only way to say
0: that you can bring it up in court when they're trying to claim for insurance and you say but that you claimed that you were doing you know in the original form then you said that you did xyz and actually you know that kind of thing
1: yeah okay exactly and the key is that you have to go through through that again next year and to ask has this changed have you started cooking in your tech company (laughs) um and the Actually, when what that translates into on the insurer side is a lot of wasted time because it, you have to ask the questions, but then someone else has to analyze all the answers and tick the right boxes to uh, to get their quote to bind. Got it.
0: Okay, so that's the that's the kind of the 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 basic use case, and it's the one that you see a lot um, from the from the alternative data perspective and from the from the kind of investment perspective. Um, I see a lot of talk in the market about the opportunities of alternative data to be used with private companies. Um, And in terms of venture capital, private equity, you're seeing hedge funds um, leading investments into into small private companies. Um, And so I suspect that's where you come in from an investment perspective as well, um, because if private equity company or a hedge fund needs to look into a small company in exactly almost in exactly the same way as that bank or insurance company needs wants to do then you can provide the holistic picture um, on what is going on with that company what's available online you're you're you can provide that um kind of would, would, would they see it as kind of are you the initial documentation and then they have to dig deeper from there or or would you be kind of the 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 whole picture
1: um, we see this this trend a lot, uh, especially through uh, like uh, partners like Data Rate or Nomad Data, uh, which you've had on the podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. We we see a lot a lot of interest from from investors in, into alternative data. Uh, uh, it applies. Uh, w- what, where we've seen most of it is either uh, from venture capital or private equity uh, investors um we typically for for a, a big uh, private equity fund uh, we typically build a more complex solution working with other partners uh, for example, y- you' you'd come to us with a question like um, I, I want to understand the market of uh, football sporting goods and what what we solidify would be able to tell you uh, is, Um, uh, will be able to split the market into manufacturers, wholesalers, retailers, uh, distributors, to tell you the exact geographic coverage of each uh, one of them and how, and percentually how much does, for each player, uh, specifically what you're interested in, uh, football, sporting goods, how much of that, uh, or how much of this category makes up in the entire uh, list of things uh, this company sells. And if, when you aggregate that, uh, you get a very good look from, from the uh, supply side of things uh, at the market. And then um, we, we like to partner with someone that, that has the demand side of, of that market. Uh, for example, a credit card data provider. And by, by putting the two together uh, in one solution, you get a very good view of what happens in that market, geo by geo and niche by niche. Amazing. Um,
0: Can you so can you chop and change your data in any in any way in a kind of you can search by how much percentage of the market of its market that company has as well as it sounds like you can you can say how much of that company's offering is serving that market and um, you can you can kind of you can uh, uh, approach it you can ask it lots of different questions from different directions.
1: Exactly. You look at things like how is the, how's the entire inventory distributed? Do You, um, you, you look at every, because even something as, as granular as football sporting goods, it's split into different types of accessories and types of goods. And they're, they're not all equal. And uh, there isn't a place where you can go and just query it and get a holistic view on it. So a lot of the, the investors we meet, we meet them at the beginning of the research cycle um, and we help get uh, them really close towards the end.
0: okay. um, and so uh, what is the um... okay, and are there any other other any other use cases that your data is used for that we haven't touched on? Um, yes <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> we've we've worked with um with we've worked with private equity investors uh, helping them. Um, acquire the right company, uh, especially when it's a, a very specific niche of small business. Um, some in markets where there are like 500 players in the, United, the entire United States, um, it's really hard to find a list uh, of all the 500 players. Make sure you haven't missed anything, and then get the full details. Uh, so you, you can get a report that you can just plug into a tableau and say, yeah, now I have the full picture of this market. Um, let's start from here and and engage with 10% of this market to see who we can acquire. Um, it, and similarly, we've worked with venture capitalists, helping them uh, find really young companies uh, before they're featured in, in uh, solutions specialized for VCs, uh, like the Crunchbase, the Pitchbooks. Uh, can you the, so the question would be: Can you find companies in their second week of existence that do very specific NFT blockchain and this? And so your and
0: your scrape you' are are you doing a kind of daily scrape? So you can be incredibly. You're saying second week of existence. Could you could you get them in the second day of existence? Is there a two week lag? How do, how how is what? Yeah, what's the what's the lag on it?
1: we can find them in their first hour of existence so our infrastructure <laughs> is made of 2000 servers that crawl continuously is that based in romania um no our our uh, crawlers
0: are based in germany okay um there's no uh, there's no cost issue with that in terms of uh, it sounds like a lot of compute power
1: there is a cost issue yeah we're uh, we're uh, lucky to have some um very ambitious venture capitalists on our side <laughs> Very that nice. Helped a lot.
0: Well, just out of interest, slight diversion. But Germany yes. seems seems to be like an expensive place to be basing that. Surely, if it's just computer, you find that a lot of, um, you know, nimble, particularly Bitcoin miners, are in places like Kazakhstan. I think Bulgaria was quite a big place for it because the because the compute power is cheaper. Um, interesting choice that you chose Germany.
1: Um. Well, we we work with a server provider called Hetzner, uh, which does a, a great job to be at the intersection of uh, affordability not necessarily the cheapest provider in the world but um, the but an affordable one with uh, exceptional capabilities to support AI and big data mining uh, and but we it's uh, we work with all, every major server provider because our our that's uh, the our bulk is with Hetzner in Germany um, but mm-hmm. because some websites for example can only be crawled locally from the United States or the UK, uh, we need to have a very distributed network that uh, works as a waterfall. So whatever cannot be gathered by the, the core infrastructure in Germany needs to be picked up by by others and tried from multiple angles. And um, how do you cope with language? That's a great question. Um, it it was very challenging. I think in our second years, year of existence, uh, we estimated that we can go from a single language to multi-language from from the ai perspective in about three months and that it ended up taking a year <laughs> mm. um, we, we we did a number of things and it's it's in in normally it's something that's extremely challenging and and it was even a question for us if it's worth tackling or not um, the we, we did a number of things so we we switched to a number of ai technologies that work multilingual uh, by by design And then we built an entire system that helps us uh, train a model in one language and then be able to translate the exact uh, same model in 50 plus languages um, and put that as a training data set into the multilingual model.
0: I imagine the multilingual model may not still be up to NLP of translating languages, may still not be up to you know the um, kind of one of the um, dialects of the sub-Saharan region Um, is there is there do you have a kind of ever-growing map of the world that you can scrape um, based on how how far the the automated language technology is growing is there how how big does that does that um, how 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 red does that map look look
1: now? luckily the the capacity of machine learning to translate has gotten very 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 good um You can now build uh native models for um for languages covering about ninety eight percent of the population of earth wow um and then with the very very long tail it it they still do a very good job at it just because they um, they the models will learn uh by translating into into the the languages they know. Um, and they will sort of apply the same rules uh, to deal with languages they haven't met before. It won't be at the same level of accuracy, um, but the difference isn't that big. It's a, it's a it's about 10% in, in accuracy. Uh, and when you compare a language that the model has been trained on with a language it's never seen. And that's really spectacular. And it, it, this uh, wasn't true two years ago. For sure interesting um and and one more on this is
0: uh, is China do you is there a do you have to have does China present problems in terms of um, getting data out of China do you have to have one of these local situations in China do you feel that's under threat
1: um that's a great question um, we it's China is not as challenging as we expected it to be, uh, but it's not as accessible as as the US or Canada or the UK, um, where where it's very similar is with companies that sell internationally. So most of uh, of of the manufacturing in China uh, will will have their websites open to uh, to European access or to American access, um, but the. the the chal- most of the challenge comes from the fact that the way the internet is designed in China is a bit different from the way uh, the way it is designed in the rest of the world, and the the newspapers look different, the articles are shaped a bit different, are structured a bit different. So the the challenge of of mining a lot of data for us, it comes from the fact that. There is a gap in the way we train our models uh, internationally, uh, the, or the the kind of content they work on internationally, which is which is slightly different uh, mm. from from the way the the content is is uh, structured in China, and that is the big the biggest challenge by far.
0: So it's cultural issues more than regulatory issues in a way.
1: It's a cultural issue, yes. Oh, interesting.
0: Well, I'm sure that kind of thing is very easily solved by by technology by the fact that more people are facing that issue in in the west and um the chinese uh, uh an entrepreneurial chinese person is helping from china and you know I, that's the kind of thing which which i'm sure the technology will will work out soon um in terms of the the work you do as i understand it I, it throws off all sorts of kind of interesting insights about kind of market commentary as well isn't there another another part of your of your offering which is about kind of tracking new companies being being created and things like that
1: yes um tracking new companies we have to do already um a challenge a challenge in our past was to was the fact that our classification models um as as time passed and especially when when the first COVID wave came the changes in the market were were making our models less and less accurate, because of the fact that the real world changed. So the way the way uh, a, f- a food distribution business would speak before and after COVID changed uh, enough to pose a challenge to to a machine learning model. And what this brought was the insight that um, something that that is traditionally seen as static, like business classification. Is, it should be built from the ground up as something that, that allows for, for continuous change as, as the market changes. So we've seen, we've put in place an, a number of unsupervised models that try to look at different categories um, and compare them to uh, last month, last quarter, and last year. Um, and we've seen uh, sort of, we've been forced to basically add categories for uh, different niches in blockchain, for different niches in renewable energy, Just because Mm -hmm. those clusters of companies started appearing and becoming more and more, uh, their their own island, basically.
0: Have you thought about Have you thought about coming up with some kind of, I don't know, what's trending type thing? You know, what's what what have you seen the most new companies being created in in the last month? Um, Will and a kind of ongoing. I mean, and I I can imagine this kind of thing being very very interesting for. You know, it's, like, it's, it's sort of almost what Gartner does um, in terms of tracking the market and tracking what's going on out there and what the most exciting um, area is. And, and, and I'm sure it'd be interesting for, for your VC and private equity clients to know as well what they should be across and what, what the world's, what, what every entrepreneur out there is is starting up today type thing.
1: Yes. Uh starting with uh, starting with a number of collaborations with, with VC specifically, uh we we got the insight that this would be extremely valuable. Um and we're actually working on a on a on a free product public facing uh that that goes exactly in that direction. Hopefully we'll we'll be able to launch it by, by Q2. Excellent.
0: Um does your data give you any other insights into into anything which we haven't touched on today?
1: Um yes, quite a bit. Um mm-hmm in uh, from the the risk perspective it's used a lot to to scan against things that um, are ineligible activities um, and that changes as markets evolve and as regulation um, changes um so it in with an example it would be something like um you, you need to you you want to uh, you're a bank and you want to give a loan to a business that it's a gift shop and it, it is genuinely a, a gift shop. It's, it's a gift shop from whatever perspective you look at it. Uh, but part of your banking policies is that you don't, do not want to work with companies, let's say, in that sell CBD-related products. Mm. And that sort of question or detail is something that is great if you can implement at scale, uh, but it's not the sort of question that you can add to your, your regular questionnaire. So just start asking everybody if they sell CBD-related products. And in, in places like these, that's where uh where data can help.
0: Just on that quickly, the data you're scraping, are you scraping um so that would work if the gift shop had its products uh marketed online and then there would be the C B D related product so you would scrape it and there you go. But quite often with a small private gift shop, you only know when you walk in that they are that they're selling such and such a thing. So would you would is that is that how it would work in terms of catching that they sell CBD products?
1: Um, from that perspective, COVID has been a blessing in disguise for, for a company such as ours uh, because that used to be used to be true in the majority of cases two years ago um, and it's only true now in a small minority of cases where if you're a gift shop and in the post-COVID era, uh, you have to, to speak about your brand and your shop online a lot. Mm.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, So, so it's, so it's useful to know who is doing what and who's doing what you'd rather they weren't doing. Um, Yeah.
1: if you apply this, uh, what we've seen a lot of traction with uh, recently, if you apply the same mindset to uh, a a topic as hot as ESG, uh, you can get to a lot of interesting insights. Uh, You can, because ESG is an interesting, uh, it's an interesting, interesting topic. The, the regulation now applies to very large companies or very large transactions to investors. Um, but what happens in, in reality is that there's, the, there's a bank that's a public company and, and has uh, specific goals they, they want to align their strategy to. Um, and the, the data to help implement that is, is almost completely missing. So in traditionally, you'd, you'd have as a bank or an insurer, you'd have policies against working with specific types of companies. Um, and now because you, you want to align to specific environmental or social goals, uh, you need to do that background check as well. Uh, so you apply the same, the same mindset.: Excellent. Excellent. Well Florin, um
0: I think that's I think this has been a this has been an interesting a very interesting um run through of, of of everything Solidify does. It is um the private market sector I, I, is something which you're which I hear more and more about and in terms of Private equity having an interest in alternative data around around private markets, VCs, um, hedge funds as well. I, I that there is a um, that there's a real opportunity and there's much more. And so, I can see only your 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 the demand for your business. I can I can only see it growing in coming years. So I think you're I think you're very well positioned. Thank you, Mark. I sure hope so. <laughs> well, thanks very much for coming on today, Florin. Thank you. It was a big pleasure.